Now, I want to show you a video this morning, and this video comes from uh, the company that my son Robbie works for. Robbie works for a company called Seeds of Change, and they are a landscaping company in Knoxville, and uh, their owner, Ian, uh, made this video about something that he's very passionate about, and uh, I thought that I would help him get his word out, and maybe it'll touch some lives, and, and it'll help some of you uh, in your life, so play the video. Every year, there are over two million vehicle accidents that are a direct result of improper blinker usage. This is a travesty. This is an epidemic that has hit our country. And honestly, we need to talk about the solution. We need to fix this. It's, it's sad. Uh, I'm a mechanic here at Seeds of Change and I cannot express the importance of adding your blinker fluid. Without blinker fluid, your blinkers will not work, and if your blinkers don't work, people won't know where you're headed, and that's how accidents do happen. This is what happens when the person in front of you does not check their blinker fluid levels. What do you think the difference between this truck and this truck is? I mean, I think it's really quite obvious. It's, it's the blinkers. Okay, solution. So here at Seeds of Change, we really want to raise awareness about blinker fluid. So what can you do? Next time that you get your oil change, make sure that you request, hey, can you change my blinker fluid as well? And we want to change the opportunity, we want to change the access, we want to change the whole misconceptions around this entire conundrum. You probably need to Google it to understand a little bit more too. I, hon I honestly don't understand everything there is to know about it, but you know, I see a big need here, and I, I just think we need to really address that need. If you still want to get involved and you don't own a car, just hashtag blinker fluid and tell all your friends and family, share this video. Just let it be known that, that we, we have a mission. We got work to do. We got to really, we got to raise the bar. But together we can. Hashtag blinker fluid. Now, if you uh, think you need blinker fluid, please see me after the service. I need to talk to you, and I'll help you get a jug. Uh, you can pay me $9.99, and we'll see that you get your blinker fluid. How many of you have checked your blinker fluid lately? Uh, okay, I see several hands going up. Uh, you need to see me after the service. You know, this just goes to show that everything you see on the internet, you can't believe. Okay, in case you didn't know, some of you ladies, maybe some of you guys, there's no such thing as blinker fluid. Okay, and, and um, this makes a great point because there are things that sometimes we just don't know. And, and you know, you can listen to stuff on the internet on TV, even in our world today, some of the religious teachings that you listen to. If you go online and there's a preacher on there talking about all you got to do is believe and you're going to be rich and you're going to have all your health and wealth and prosperity, he's not preaching from the Bible. And, and so you, you got to know what's right 
and what's wrong. And you got to make sure that you understand. And part of the problem in our culture, especially here in America, is biblical illiteracy. It's rampant in our culture. People just don't know the Bible like they used to. And we're getting more and more away from it. And even some of the preaching and teaching that's going on today is getting away from the Bible. I recently read this article. It's from Pacific Christian University, written by Jeffrey Overstreet. And he talks about three little short stories here where he talks about the rock band U2 and their leader, Bono, some of you will know him, became a Christian a few years ago. And he wrote a song called Yahweh, and, and uh, he sang it. And this DJ on the radio, the first time he ever heard that song, Yahweh, which is the name of God, the Hebrew name for God, uh, first time he ever thought, he said, what is Bono talking about, this Yahweh or, or whatever he's saying? And he was making fun. He said, Bono just makes up the words as he goes. He had no clue that that was the name for God. There's another situation where there was a documentary on TV, and it was called Supersize Me, and it had little kids on there, and they could identify a picture of Ronald McDonald. All of them got who that was, but they put a picture of Jesus up, and not one kid knew who it was. One of them says George W. Bush. It's a sign of the times. Another instance is there was a and this is really sad, there was a celebrity youth minister, one of these big mega churches, and there's nothing wrong with those, but this youth minister of this big mega church was being interviewed by an atheist uh, interviewer, and, and this interviewer asked him if he knew the Ten Commandments. This youth minister could only name six of the Ten Commandments. Even more sad, he was at, the interviewer asked him if he knew the names of the apostles, and he wouldn't even try to list those. That's a youth minister teaching our kids. I tell you, our country is becoming more and more illiterate. This article goes on to say, although the level of formal education of the United States population has climbed dramatically since 1940, Surveys show that the level of biblical literacy has not kept pace. Says researcher George Varna Jr., America's both churched and unchurched remain biblical illiterates. And we want to try to change that. And so we're going to help by beginning this series today called The Basics of the Faith. And in this series, there's going to be 13 topics that we're going to go through over the course of the next today and 12 weeks following, that we're going to talk about some basics that every Christian needs to know and understand. And we're going to give you a Bible verse to go with that and some other verses that will help you to understand that. Today we're going to start with one verse. The title of this series is The Basics of the Faith. And we titled this sermon today, Creator. Because I want you to understand and know that it all begins with God and that He is our creator. That's one of the basics of our Christian faith. So today we're going to look into this idea of, of God as creator. And, uh, you know, if you start with that, if you believe in that, then that's, that's the place where you need to start. And so I raise the question, is God creator 
of the universe. Now, you're going to have to make that decision for yourself. Nobody can make that decision for you. There's all kinds of theories about how the world was created, right? I mean, we learned this in school, and there's a number of them. Some of them I looked up I never even heard of. The accelerating theory, the plasma cosmetology. The most popular theory today, does anybody know what it's called? Big Bang Theory. There's a TV show named after it. Uh, but that's the most popular theory of how the world was created, how the universe was created. And then there's the idea that God is creator. We've come to call that in modern times intelligent design. That is, an intelligent being who we'll call God has designed and created the universe that we live in. That's what we believe, that God created the universe. Now, we're going to start today with the Bible. And next week we'll talk about the Bible, how we can know and trust that the Bible is true. Uh, we're going to use the Bible in this study uh, and, and go through these foundational principles. We call them doctrines in the church that we need to know and understand to have a solid Christian faith. So today we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 1. Uh, very first verse of the Bible. Uh, we're going to look mainly at that first verse. We'll look at a couple of others. We believe that Moses uh, was the, uh, the writer of the first five books of the Bible, including Genesis. We call that the Pentateuch. And that Moses wrote this under the inspiration of God. He had some stories that had been handed down from him by his ancestors about how it came to be. But God inspired what he wrote and how he wrote it and gave him the words to put down on the paper. That's what we believe. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. Many of you could quote that. If you can, you can read it with me as I read Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It's a simple verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And here's the first thing I want you to think about today. If that verse is true, then the rest of the Bible is possible. You know, we often hear people say, well, I can't believe the Bible because I don't believe miracles. Or I don't believe God did some of the things that it said he did or this. But if he could do this, if he could, if he could create out of nothing all of this, then anything with God is possible. In fact, that's what the Bible teaches us, that all things are possible with God. You see, when it talks about the heavens and the earth, that's a summary statement for the whole universe. It's talking about the, the, everything beyond the earth is the heavens it's talking about. And the earth, well, that is where the pinnacle of God's creation lives, humankind. Now, I know there are people that say, well, there's... There's life beyond earth. There's other beings that we don't know about. Show me one. I'll believe. Okay, nobody show me one yet. And some people say they've seen them or whatever, but I, I don't know if I can believe that yet because I haven't seen them. And you say, well, what about believing in a God that we've never seen? Stick with me today and we'll see. So the heavens and the earth, God created all of that. Verse 2 mentions that the earth was formless and empty. Some versions of the Bible translate that without form and void. 
meaning nothing, and God created it out of nothing. You know, he's got to be a special person if he can take nothing and make something out of it. Verse 3, verse 2 also mentions the water. He created the water at that time. And then it speaks of light and darkness. It goes on in verse 5 to say, And there was the first day, there was evening, and then there was morning. We usually like to think the day begins with the morning, but here God says it began with the evening, and then the morning came. And if you were Jewish, your day starts at 6 o'clock at night and runs the next day until 6 o'clock because of this verse. Because they say when God created it, it was the evening first and then the morning. And so they count their days a little different than we do. Now, it talks about that light there. And you say, well, how can they have light? How can they have day and night if the sun hadn't been created yet? Listen, you go to the last chapter of the Bible, and it says when the, this earth is destroyed and there's a new heaven and a new earth, Revelation chapter 22 verse 5 says, And they will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. And so God gave that light in the beginning. So that's the first day. Think about the first day. There was water and the light and dark or the night and the day came and and that was the first day. The second day, he created the sky. Third day, he created the land and the vegetables. The fourth day, the stars and all the planets. The fifth day, the fish and the birds. And the sixth day, the land animals. And then all of, all of mankind, he created Adam and Eve and man. He put them on earth. That's, that's all of chapter 1 of Genesis. Now, if you can accept that, that God created the heavens, the earth, the universe, basically, then anything else the Bible says, you can accept it as being possible. But we have to begin with that belief, the belief that God exists. Hebrews eleven six says, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. How can you come to him if you don't believe that he exists and that he created the universe? But now I want us to think through some other evidence. It's not just because this one verse talks about God creating the heavens and the earth. What else can we see? Well, the Bible says that God created it, not just in this one place, but in several other places. Um, Psalm 148, verse 5. Let them, and that them there is all the parts of the universe, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for at his command they were created. So it says God created everything. Isaiah 45, 12, this is the Lord speaking. It is I who made the earth and created mankind on it. My own hands stretched out the heavens. I marshaled their starry host. So there's a couple of verses more. A couple more in the New Testament part of the Bible. In John 1, 1, you got to get this because it speaks of Jesus as being God in the flesh. John 1, 1 through 3 and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God, it says. It goes on to say, uh, through Him, 
uh, says, He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. And then verse 14 says, And the Word became flesh. And it's talking about Jesus. He was God. The Word was God. And the Word became flesh. You go over to Romans chapter 4, verse 17. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. God calls things into being. All he's got to do is speak the word. Colossians 1.15 The Son, S-O-N, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. So everything was created by God through Jesus, his word. Hebrews 1.1 In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times in various ways, but these last days he has spoken to us by his son, S-O-N, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. So over and over again in the Bible, which next week we're going to study the Bible and why you should believe it's true, and we're going to see uh, that, that it is true, but we're going to think about today what it says, and it says God created the universe. Now there is further evidence that we can look at that helps us understand that God is creator of the universe. You know, sometimes when you prove things, you have different kinds of evidence. You know, you, you will have, uh, if you go to a court of law, you will have direct evidence. And, and, and for example, if you had a video, uh, let's say Dennis got mad at Ron, and Dennis shot Ron, and Mary had it all on video, that would be direct evidence. Dennis shot Ron, okay? But let's say we didn't have that direct evidence. But you had the gun, and you did the bullet test that showed that this gun shot Ron, and that gun had Dennis's fingerprints all over it, and somebody saw Dennis with that gun 30 seconds before Ron was shot, even though they didn't see Ron shot, and they heard the bang, and they turned around, and there was Dennis holding the gun, and Ron was laying on the ground bleeding to death. Nobody saw Dennis do it. But boy, there's a lot of evidence there that points to Dennis as being guilty. Thank goodness we all know Dennis would not shoot Ron because Dennis loves Ron like Christ loves you. And, and so unless Ron did something really bad. Now, Ron, you better watch out. So there's different kinds of evidence that we think about. And we're going to look at some evidence. And you know, sometimes when you're talking about an abstract idea like God, you can't see God. You can't take a test tube and prove God. But you know there are other things like that. For example, love. How do you prove love? Well, somebody says, I love you. That's, that's a piece of evidence. And then there's these feelings. And somebody says, man, when I'm around you, I just get these feelings. Like I get when I see my wife. You know, I get these feelings. That's why I married her. I'd walk into a room, she'd be there and I'd just go crazy. You know, I'd go limp. And, and I said, i just, I got to have that girl. i got to spend the rest of my life with her. Okay? 
until you, you have feelings and behavior. It's how, how you act. You know, you bomb gifts. You do things for them that pleases them. You change bad behavior. You know, one of the things that had to change, when I fell in love with her, I had to leave all the other girls that maybe I had interest in. You know? But it happened. It happened. Okay? Gave up a lot of stuff to be with that woman. I better stop. We didn't go there in the first service. And we're going to stop right here. I want to tell you one of the best illustrations I have for love. Y'all will appreciate this. Almost 23 years ago, Jeanette was pregnant with Caitlin, our daughter. She'll be 23, December 26. And they had a, um, at our previous church, they had a baby shower for Jeanette. Now, I didn't go. I think I was sick. And I stayed at home, and when Jeanette got home, the only person that was home other than sick me was our 10-year-old son, MJ. And so I, I said, MJ, I can't do it. You're going to have to go out and help your mama bring the gifts in from the car. And so MJ goes out, and he starts bringing gifts in and more gifts. And I'm sitting here amazed at all the stuff that MJ's dragging in from out in the car. And then he went out. And he didn't come back in. And I said, what happened to MJ? So I got up and I went to the door. And he's standing on the, on the front porch. And I went around and looked at his face. And tears were streaming down this little 10-year-old boy's face. And I said, MJ, what, why, why are you crying? He said, Dad, those people over at that church, they really love my mom, don't they? Well, why did he say that? Because of the evidence. They threw her a big party, and she was going on about how great the party was and the food, and they bought her all these gifts. And you see, the people demonstrated the love that they have. So, so MJ came to this conclusion. They loved my mom. The evidence was there. There's evidence about God that I want you to think about. Psalm, one, Psalm 19, verse 1, points to some evidence. It says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. As you look up at the heavens, you say, how did all that get there? Well, God. It's evidence that there is a God. Romans 1.20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. You know, you look around at what's been made, what we call nature, and you see these things. So what I want you to see is that creation itself suggests that there's a creator. You know, if you, if, if you look, we're so blessed to live in this part of the country. We have the mountains, and we have lakes and rivers. Uh, we even got some beaches. Anybody ever been to Bluff City Beach? Um, you know, we, we've got it all here in East Tennessee. I love being out on South Holston Lake. If you've never been out there at sunset and been out on the lake and look at the water when all the boats are gone in and it's calm and the sun's going down and you see the mountains in the background, you, 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 you just say, there is a God. Those mountains look like the finger 
footprints of God in clay when, when you look at them. And it's beautiful out there. You think about these, these real flowers. I thought at first they were artificial, but I was informed that they are real. They're gorgeous. You think about some of those things and how they, they just grow. You put a little seed in the ground and you get those flowers. God created all that. You think about the beauty and, and that suggests that there is a creator. How, how else would that happen? Do you think that just happens by chance? That it's just an accident? That something that beautiful would come about? Uh, it can't be. It can't be that. When you see something that has beauty or it has a certain shape, you, you begin to think somebody created that. You know, I like to use this illustration, and some of you have seen it before. Uh, this is a, uh, we, well, some would call it a popsicle stick. It's really a tongue, tongue depressor. We have these in our craft room up in the children's department. This one I looked up on the Internet. It says Techno Pro 650. So it's got a real fancy name. But you look at this as nothing but a little thin piece of wood. It's got rounded edges and straight edges and then the ends of it are rounded off. Um, you would look at that and would you think that maybe a tree limb fell off a tree and it broke into pieces and a little piece fell off to the side and in the course of some time, somebody walking on it and stepping on it and, and the rain hitting on it and the sun and all the elements of the earth created that and put that into that shape. Is that possible? It's probably possible, but doubtful. We would look at this and say, no, somebody designed that. Somebody created that. And then if you saw a whole box of them, you'd say, no, that didn't happen by accident. Somebody shaped those and put those in that box, and they're all the same size. They all have the same rounded edges and the same straight edges. And you would say, well, yeah, some, there's a creator. There's a manufacturer somewhere that made those. Popsicle sticks, those tongue depressors. How in the world could you look at the complicated human body and say, well, that just happened by accident? There's no way. Where there is design, we look and we say there's a designer. And that designer is God. He created it. And he created the flowers. And he created the beautiful ferns. And, and he is a God who creates. That means he brings things into being. How could you look at this complicated universe and not expect that there is a creator designer behind it? Well, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, uh, let me read this. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. He has also set eternity in the human heart. He's given us this thought that there is eternal life, that, that the world goes on. So human reason points to a higher being. 
you know, since the beginning of time, you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, they sought out a God that they could not see. They could hear him, but they could not see him. You go on into history, and all cultures throughout the world, people believe in a higher power. Now, they don't always get it that, it, that it's God of the Bible, but they all seek out. And some of them call it the God of the sun or the God of the moon or, or the God of the universe or the God of health or the God of fertility. Everybody, since the beginning of time, is trying to figure out how to stop aging and how to find eternal life. It's built into our nature to seek God. Not everybody seeks the right God, but if we seek the right God and we find the God of the Bible, He's the Creator who created it all. And that's where you find the best life. Because if He is Creator, he has, He's the one that knows how to live the best life. And if we follow Him... He's going to answer all those big questions we have. Because people ask questions forever. They've been saying, how did we get here? And some go back to that Big Bang Theory, which says, you know, there was a bunch of gas and, and molecules about the size of a peach, and one day it exploded, and we got all this. Now, it takes more faith to believe that than it does to believe in a God who created Neither one can be proven. But if you look to God, it answers more questions than the Big Bang Theory. Because the Big Bang Theory really doesn't answer, where did that little ball come from? But when you look to the Bible, it tells us God was the beginning point. When you ask, well, why am I here? The Big Bang Theory gives you nothing. But the Bible says you're here to worship God. He created you to worship Him. And you say, well, what is my purpose while I'm here? Big Bang Theory gives you nothing. But the Bible tells you that you're here because God has a purpose for you to be part of His people, to be part of His church, and that He has a ministry for you to do within the church. And so you are answered these big questions. How did I get here? God created me. Why am I here to worship God? What is my purpose? To do ministry for Him. To show my love for Him and my love for other people. So it answers those questions. Here's our connection. The decision to believe that God created the universe makes a difference in how we view life. You know, there's ample reason why we can believe in God. And you need to know this, that God loves you and God cares about you. In fact, He loves you so much that He gave you freedom of choice that you have to decide, am I going to believe in this God? He doesn't force us to. Or am I not going to believe in this God? And He's given us some evidence why we should. And he even says in his word, if you seek me, you will find me if you seek me with all your heart. But you know, I understand and I know that many people don't want to do that because what happens if you believe that God is the creator and the Bible is his word, then it affects how you live your life and how you view your life because you have to make some changes. Because many of us are so self-absorbed 
We only want what's good for me. But if you worship the God of the Bible, you have to think about how do I love God and how do I love other people. And that's where God wants us to be. You know, there's one more piece of evidence we ought to think about, and that's the resurrection of Jesus. And there were 12 men that were close to him. One killed himself because he made a mistake. Another took his place. And those 12 guys saw visibly the resurrected Jesus. And you might say, well, how do we know that? Because it changed their lives. They were skeptical. They were scared. They didn't know what to do. But when they saw the resurrected Jesus, they went out and began to tell the whole world about it. And God worked through them and established a church, as we just learned in our last study in the book of Acts. And they didn't do it because they were getting rich. And they didn't do it because they wanted to be popular. They did it because they saw the resurrected Jesus. And it changed their lives. You know, it's unacceptable to God to reject the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He calls it sin. And when we don't place our faith in Jesus, then we're bound for a place where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth, the Bible says. But if we accept Jesus, he forgives all of our sins. He restores our relationship with him. And as we follow Jesus, we grow and we mature spiritually and we become more and more, day by day, what Jesus wants us to be. But it all starts with believing that God is creator. And if you can believe that, then you can believe everything else this Bible teaches you. And we're going to go through the major doctrines of the Bible for the next 12 weeks. So let's pray. God, we thank you today for Jesus, for God, for creating us through Jesus and through your power, Lord, that you enable us to become all that you want us to be as we seek to follow Jesus in our lives. We thank you for creation, for all the beauty we get to enjoy day by day, and we pray that you be our guide and direct us as we go about our lives. In the strong name of Jesus, I pray and praise your name.